find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. And as always, you can support the show and get months worth of bingeable content over at patreon.com backslash badaxepod. There's a link in our show notes and memberships start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. Now, on to today's case. Today, we are going to San Luis Obispo, California, in January 2018. Nice. I know, 2018. That's so good. Yeah, that's true. San Luis Obispo is a gorgeous city. It's on the California Central Coast, and it features scenic views of tree-covered mountains and canyons. It's a short drive to the Pacific Coast, and it has a cute downtown with fun shops. They do have tourism, I believe, based on internet searches, and it does look like a really cool place to go, TBH. Yeah, my dad went there on a business trip once, and he talked about it for decades. (laughs) Still talking about San Luis Obispo? Yeah, he still talks about it, yeah. Nice. It is a smallish city with about 47,000 residents, so not a huge thing, but there's a lot of nature, so maybe that's why, because it looks kind of like it's in a valley in a way. If you look at it in pictures from farther away, because it has like, I guess I call them mountains. I'm assuming it's part of the mountain range, right? I would think so. They're like lower though, and they're all covered in trees. Yeah. Very nice. 10 out of 10. Wood mountain again. (laughs) Back in January 2018, 26-year-old Kristen Marty lived on the streets of San Luis Obispo with her boyfriend, Nick Reed. On good days, they stayed in hotels. Unfortunately, life for Kristen was not easy. She struggled with dependency on drugs, specifically heroin and meth. According to some people who knew her, she used drugs to cope with emotional pain. So she had her boyfriend as well that did drugs, as well as her friends. Like, they all had dependencies that they were doing. Maybe not all of them, but, I mean, she's in kind of a circle. Yeah. She was hardly alone, though, because in addition to these friends, based on drug crime and drug death data, the city of San Luis Obispo and the area around that actually has a higher than average incidence of drug use. And that is something that they are trying to fix. They actually have lost a lot of people to opioid overdoses during the pandemic compared to like, I mean, not more than like COVID, but just it's kind of a wild number that they've had an increase because people, I guess, are at home. I guess they're using more. I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So she's not like an anomaly. Like this is a normal thing. Yeah. It's not like everybody is on drugs. It's just that it's a common problem in their community. Right. Yeah. Although Kristen's life in 2018 revolved a lot around her dependency, it wasn't always like that. From 2009 to 2012, she'd been a student at Cuesta College in San Luis Obispo. However, she never declared a major and didn't graduate. It seemed like she just kind of drifted. 
but she had friends and family who cared about her as well as her boyfriend, and despite her struggles, her life mattered. I could not find a lot about Kristen. I tried to find like an obituary. I did find her Facebook, but it's mostly just pictures of her. And she did seem to be kind of into fashion in a way because she posted a lot of selfies of herself with like really cool makeup looks and with her hair done and with cute outfits on. So I think it's safe to assume that she was into fashion. Nice. By 2018, Kristen self-employed herself as a sex worker to support herself and to pay for her dependency. According to messages that she sent with a potential client, she accepted either money or drugs for her services. Kristen advertised herself on Craigslist, where she would hopefully meet people that would treat her right. Once she made contact with a potential client, she used a texting app called Text Plus to communicate anonymously with them, and that way she could protect her real identity. So she's playing it safe, which is pretty cool. Yeah. On December 15th, 2018, Kristen started texting with a guy she met off Craigslist. His name, according to his Text Plus account, was John Hill. Over the next three weeks, Kristen exchanged around 100 texts with John Hill. In those texts, she offered him sexual services in exchange for money or drugs, depending on what was easiest for him. To tempt him, Kristen sent over photos of herself, and she was a very attractive girl. She was tall at around 5'11", with long black hair, alluring blue eyes, and good bone structure. So, he liked what he saw, based on these photos. But, in their exchange, there were some red flags that John Hill might be lying about his identity. Because he also sent photos of himself to Kristen. And in one of those photos, John Hill was wearing a mechanic shirt from a nearby automotive dealership called Mullahee Ford. And this shirt featured a sewn-on patch with the name Robert clearly printed on it. Yup. That's a red flag. John is not a nickname for Robert. No. So that's kind of a red flag. But, I mean, I guess this is the kind of thing you use a secret name for sometimes, maybe. And so maybe that's what she was thinking, that he just didn't want her to know what his real name was. Also, though, I mean, not a good look to just send the picture. Like, not crossing some T's and dying some I's here. Yeah. Having, like, a fake name. And then sending an image with your actual name. I know, right? You can just kind of color over it. (laughs) That's an option. Right. But apparently, I guess he didn't think about that. Or even just crop the picture. Yeah. Make it smaller. He was like, no. He was not being thorough. No, not thorough at all. But at the same time, I feel like she probably feels safe going to this. Despite the fact that she might know his name is fake. Because they've exchanged so many messages. I mean, 100 text messages... That's fewer than a lot of people exchange before going on a first date. That makes sense that she probably felt like she checked him out. She's got his pictures. She's got his text messages. This seems legit. Yeah. He seemed to be a good potential client and a girl's got to work. And so she scheduled their first date. On January 9th, 2018, Kristen arranged to meet John Hill for sexual services and Hill offered to pick her up in, like, the area where she was living, San Luis Obispo, which I feel like I've said 14 times at this point, for their date. And he offered her, and in addition to money, he offered her drugs as well. In their exchange, he asked if she wanted to do, quote, unquote, go fast. And apparently that is a street name for uppers like meth and cocaine. 
So they would be having like the sex part and doing the drugs. And then he was also supposed to be paying her based on what they were talking about. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of a good deal. And if you recall, Kristen regularly used these drugs, so that would have a lot of appeal to her because it's not just that she's getting both, it's that these are the ones that she likes. Yeah. So that would totally make sense for her to want to do this. Right. She told her boyfriend, Nick, that she was meeting a client in Profumo Canyon, and he dropped her off at Santa Rosa Park for John Hill to pick her up. From there, they would go to the canyon. The stretch of roadway where she'd be going is very scenic. It's really, really pretty, with views of hilly mountains covered in vegetation, as well as the canyon below, and along parts of it, the three-lane road with surrounding bike paths is lined with trees, shrubbery, and agave plants. So it's kind of a place that you would drive around just to kind of look, but it also seems to have some secluded spots where you can kind of pull over. Yeah. And there's there are patches of houses, too, though, so it's kind of a neighborhood, but kind of not. Yeah. It's it's interesting. But there's one side that you can see the canyon. I think it's actually called the Sea Canyon side, where most of it is like just kind of a, a viewpoint. And then the other side has more residential places. Yeah. But even that part has trees on it. Or at least the stretch where she was specifically. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm sure it's like a really long road, so maybe not all of it's the same. Right. After the man calling himself John Hill picked up Kristen... Her boyfriend, Nick, and a friend of the couple drove down to Perfumo Canyon to check on her. And this was part of their routine. Because when Kristen was working, Nick and a friend would go and check on her to make sure that she was okay. And they would usually stay nearby in case things went wrong. And I think that's pretty common. I've heard of other people who do sex work doing that, where they're going to be meeting clients that they haven't met before, that maybe it's a regular client. They might have a driver or someone who is there just to kind of make sure that things don't go awry or that they can also leave easily if something does happen. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's a good safeguard, right? Yeah. I think it depends on what kind of work you're doing and like what your client list is. But in her case, that was something that was part of her routine. Yeah. The pair, meaning Nick and this friend, did see Kristen in the 1800 block of Perfumo Canyon. And at the time, she was sitting in a vehicle with a man whom they assumed to be John Hill. They did not know this man, but that's who they thought it was based on the fact that that was who she was going to meet. She appeared to be doing all right in their estimation, and so they weren't too worried about her. And according to Nick, they kept driving and left Kristen to do her business. Now, normally, she would call Nick for a ride home, but she didn't do that that night. However... Police said that she did send him a suspicious text. In all caps, she had asked if he was on Perfumo Canyon. Hmm. Now, since normally he would have hung around, it suggests that she might have been asking if he was nearby because she was expecting him to be in case she needed him. Yeah. But unfortunately, in this case, Nick and the friend did not end up staying. Because they really wanted to go spend their evening using. It doesn't say in any sources, if they were using drugs or alcohol or both, just that they were both intoxicated. But the police were able to confirm they were both intoxicated that night. And so as a result, they weren't really able to watch Kristen like they usually would or respond to any kind of issues. Right, yeah. So they were kind of like out of pocket. Right. After her boyfriend and friend last saw her on the road, Kristen disappeared. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Now, Nick began to worry when Kristen didn't text him or come back. And he called and texted her several times that night, but didn't get any kind of response. At around midnight, her phone had actually gone totally dead. That's the last time her phone was ever on, was around midnight that night. The next day, Nick also began checking around, asking if friends had seen Kristen, and no one knew where she was. Nick and the friends spent about nine days checking around, calling, and looking for Kristen before they went to the police. Oh, wow. That's a long time to wait. Yeah, it is a long time, and it definitely probably caused some problems. And it seems a little suspicious, but the police don't seem to ever suspect Nick, or at least they ruled him out, I guess, pretty quickly. And I'm thinking it's just because Nick and his friend group are, you know, not normally the kind of people, I guess, because of their dependencies who necessarily want to be in front of the police. Right. Because if you're if you're using, you know, an illegal substance, you don't want someone to, to be like, hey, right. thanks for coming in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be like, thanks for coming in. Here's jail. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense that he would want to delay and also maybe get a little cleaned up, I guess. That part is speculation, which I know some people don't like, but that could be part of it, too. Could be. So, nine days later, on January 18th, Nick went in to report Kristen missing, and officers took the missing person's report. They started looking for her immediately and released a prior mugshot to aid in the search. And there has been some comments made about this because they had a lot of pictures available of Kristen because she did take pictures of herself because she was cute and she liked sharing them. But they picked a mugshot instead to put out there. And honestly, it would not be that big of a help to find her because kind of like mussed up in it. And it's not like her normal look. So it seems questionable to me that that would be the go-to picture when they're looking for someone. Like she's the victim of a crime. Right. You're going to use a mugshot. When you have other options. Like if that was your only option maybe, but you have other options. Yeah, exactly. So they released this mugshot picture and they started investigating. And while investigating the area where Nick last saw her, police recovered surveillance footage from a house on Perfumo Canyon that showed a suspicious car passing around 9.37 p.m. However, they could not get a clear picture of this car. And if it, that was partially because it was driving on the Sea Canyon side of the highway, which is opposite from the house, and so it was kind of blurry. Yeah. So that did not really help them as much as they were hoping. And so authorities focused on finding the man who went to meet Kristen. Officers traced the IP address from the John Hill account to a home in Arroyo Grande, which led them to their suspect. Police identified John Hill as 36-year-old Robert Kohler. Ah, there's the Robert again. I know. As if you recall, I was going to point that out. He had sent her a picture with the name Robert, so it's starting to line up. At that point, I feel like it's hard to say, what account? I don't even know. Right, be like, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not named John Hill. <laughs> it's like, we have your photo, sir. This is this is your face mm-hmm. and your name, Robert, printed on it. Right. <laughs> is this yeah. you? Yeah. That's where he's like, no, I got catfish. <laughs> yeah, someone just like photoshopped my face on there. I don't even know. Kohler owned and operated a mobile mechanic service, which served the area around South San Luis Obispo County and also Northern Santa Barbara. Police went to question him on February 22nd, 2018, which was about six weeks after Kristen's disappearance. At the time, they did not know if she were alive or deceased as they had not located a body and obviously they had not found Kristen or they would not be looking still. Yeah. According to Detective Caleb Kemp, Kohler seemed anxious when they talked to him. 
when they asked him questions about a girl going missing, he didn't ask who it was who was missing and also did not ask why police were questioning him or thought he was connected to it. That's a red flag. To- that is such a red flag. Like, how do you not even ask? Yep. It's like the people who get notified that their loved one was killed and they don't ask how. And they just proceed into their dramatic reaction that they've planned. Like, oh my God, how, how will I go on? Mm-hmm. It's like, you did not even ask what happened. Exactly. Suspicious. So the police are very suspicious, but again, they don't have any, like, a, they don't have any reason to pursue him right now at this time. They did remind him who Kristen was during this questioning, and he admitted to meeting up with her that day, but claimed that he didn't know anything about her disappearance. However, he did admit to something very suspicious, and it's going to be the first in a series of very suspicious things. <laughs> he had deleted his John Hill Text Plus account and the email he used to create that Text Plus account on January 9th, the same day that Kristen disappeared. Yep, that's a red flag too. Yes, so he's got this account and he's been meeting women off of it. That's important. We're going to talk about that in a moment. He's been meeting other women on this account. So it's not, or like talking to them. So it's not like he just was doing one account per lady, even though that would also be suspicious. It's very much a red flag that on the day that she disappears, he goes home. And and not just the account, but the whole email. Mm-hmm. That he's, part is the part that got me. Yeah, he's like, he's trying to cover his tracks. He's just doing a really shitty job of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, that's maybe that's why he didn't ask what girl. He just like, what? <laughs> like, I don't even know. Yeah. He's trying to play it cool. He just does not know how. Exactly. Oh, I should say, allegedly. Yes, He allegedly did not know how. Allegedly. At the time of Kristen's disappearance, Kohler and his wife were living with Kohler's mother, although some sources say it was his wife's mother, in the San Luis Obispo area, or more specifically, in Arroyo Grande. He used the Text Plus account, and John Hill was confirmed to be his screen name. And in a twisted turn of events, this part is going to be a big reveal. January 9th, which is the day that she disappeared, was the anniversary of when Kohler and his wife got married. What? Yeah. So Holy it was their wedding shit. anniversary. It was their wedding anniversary. Dude. And I have more details about that in a moment, but I'm saving it for later when it's more relevant. But it was their wedding anniversary on this day. And also... Fun fact that is going to surprise Aaron because he knew about the anniversary part. I told him because I could not keep it to myself. (laughs) She was pregnant. What? His wife was pregnant. No way. On their wedding anniversary, he left his pregnant wife at home and was out cavorting with this poor girl that he then later allegedly murdered. Holy crap. I know. Man. I'm just like, also, I'm really spoiling some of this. The gall of this guy, though. I know. They said that she knew about some of this, that she knew that he was having, quote unquote, affairs. Still. (laughs) I totally understand people. Some people want to have an open relationship because that's their thing. And some people are polyamorous because, you know, love goes around. That's if you're everyone's into it. Yay for you. Yeah. But this doesn't sound like a equal thing here (laughs) this sounds like one guy and also we're gonna talk about this because i'm about to tell you soon but they literally he was meeting a lot of ladies so let's just let's break this down okay so he was meeting these ladies on craigslist and tinder so he's got two accounts that he's just 
attracting people. Well, with Craigslist, it's a little different, but you know what I mean. He's contacting people off of both. On the night of Kristen's disappearance, slash his anniversary with his wife, Kohler actually went MIA and even turned off his phone for a while. His wife tried calling him at around 7 p.m., but he did not answer. And the police were able to show that his phone was actually off from 7 o'clock to around 10.30 p.m. I wonder what he could have been doing I in know. that time. And his wife was literally calling him this during that time. Man. She was literally calling her husband on their anniversary. So, I mean, I get it that she might know about it, but is she into this? Because she wouldn't be calling him if she, like, was totally cool with this. Yeah. Later, his wife tried calling again at around 10.32 p.m. He did not answer that time, but he did call her right back twice. And that's when his phone came back on. Now, police asked him about this missing time because, of course, they have his phone record. And he claimed that his car had broken down on the Los Osos Valley Road and he had lost his cell phone reception. However, they countered that that area has stable cell phone service, so his story did not quite line up. Uh And they also pulled surveillance footage that did not seem to back up some of these stories that he starts telling. Now, ironically, Kristen was not the only woman that Kohler met for sexual services on January 9th. So he had actually, earlier that day, met another sex worker who had described his behavior as off. Wow. She told police that he seemed high and frustrated. And during their interaction, Kohler sweated profusely, according to her. So just to recap, this man left his pregnant wife on their anniversary and met up with two different ladies. And then one of those ladies disappeared. Wow. So a lot of things are happening here. Yeah, and for real. And I just, I believe that this wife could do better. Yeah. She's going to make a questionable choice in a little while, but I really think that she could do better, a lot better. Yes, she could and very easily do better. definitely better yes. than this guy. I mean, unless for some reason she's into this and then more power to you. Hello, friends. I'm Taya. And I'm Sammy. And we're the hosts of the Offbeat Worm podcast. Come check us out. We talk about so many things. Spooky things, silly things, and everything in between. Find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And we'll catch you on the Offbeat. See you soon. As police continued investigating Kohler, they discovered another tantalizing clue. Within a week of meeting Kristen, Kohler changed his phone number. Really? Yes. Now, you might think that this is just a coincidence. You might think, well, people change their phone numbers. Maybe that just worked out weird. But people don't think that. They don't think that. And the reason why is because he had just gotten new business cards for the mobile mechanic service that he operated that listed his old phone number. Right. Like a whole pile of them right before he changed it. Yep. So it's not exactly a smoking gun clue, but it's very suspicious that this man would go through all that work and get his business cards and then immediately change his phone number. And it so happens to be after a woman that he met up with disappeared. Still though, no one knew exactly what happened to Kristen. And so police filed away the interview and continued looking for her. On March 25th, 2018, about two and a half months after Kristen disappeared, a canine search and rescue team scoured the area around a creek near Perfumo Canyon, hoping to find some sign of what happened to her. 
During this search, they finally got their break when the unit made a startling discovery. In the creek, they uncovered Kristen's body. The area where authorities found her body is about 40 to 50 feet away from Perfumo Canyon Roadway, and she lay in the creek pinned down by rocks placed over her by her killer. At the time, her body had been exposed to the elements for about two and a half months, and so it showed signs of serious decomposition. Yeah. It actually ended up taking a few days to confirm her identity, though authorities suspected the body belonged to her immediately. They had released those details to the public, so everyone knew they'd found a body, but initially they were saying they were having trouble IDing her. But essentially, they kind of connected it. Yeah, And they were able to do an examination in the San Luis Obispo coroner's office, examined Kristen's body. They determined that she died from a slit throat and also determined that her death was a homicide. According to forensic toxicologist Bill Posey, Kristen had a cocktail of drugs in her system at the time of her murder. Posey found cocaine, meth, morphine, and dewormer, along with alcohol. Now, you're probably confused about the dewormer. Yep. Don't worry, I have explanations. For clarification, the dewormer is a veterinary drug that's used to cut cocaine, and that is why they think that it was in her system, is that it was probably just used in the cocaine that she used that day, and so it just showed up on her toxicology report. Right, that makes sense. Authorities now had a murder investigation on their hands. And for almost a month, they continued investigating without releasing any information about a suspect. But then, on April 18th, 2018, police identified Kohler as a person of interest in Kristen's murder. But Kohler was not going down easily (laughs) because in April 2018, he fled the state of California, taking his wife with him. That's not suspicious at all. Yeah, the choice that all innocent people make. Right. Just flees the state. And his wife went with him. That was what I was saying when I... That's what I meant when I was saying she did something questionable. She left with him to go be on the run. Yeah, that's crazy. And they left some items behind, but told his wife's mother to just sell them, indicating that they were not planning to return to California. So in case you were thinking, maybe they just went on vacation, they left their stuff (laughs) behind and were like, just get rid of this stuff we didn't take. Yeah, they're just going on the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, authorities immediately began tracking him. And with the help of the FBI, they located Kohler on May 16th in Rogers, Minnesota at a Travel America truck stop. He and his wife were standing outside their car with their dog when officers spotted him. They actually got out with guns and did like the whole takedown like you see in TV shows. Yeah. Because they thought he might run again or have some kind of weapon. So they just went full guns. Officers took Kohler and his wife into custody at gunpoint and extradited him back to San Luis Obispo County. And the FBI again also helped with that. So it was both. So essentially a whole criminal mind situation just going in. Officers question him again now that he's a suspect. And this time they really pressed him about Kristen's murder. During that second interrogation, Kohler admitted to officers that he texted with her on January 9th. He told investigators that he had picked up Kristen at Santa Rosa Park, where her boyfriend Nick had dropped her off. At the time, he was driving a red Chevy Blazer. At first, he told them a different car, but then later admitted that it was the red Chevy Blazer. Initially, he claimed that he dropped her off at a car lot afterwards, so He didn't make her disappear. He brought her to a car lot located on Los Osos Valley Road. That sounds like bullshit. Mm -hmm. However, he then later changed his story to say he dropped her off at Madonna Plaza, 
which is a shopping center. I looked it up. There was a guy whose last name was Madonna. And so there's stuff named after him in this area. And it's basically your standard shopping center. Right. But it's it's really suspicious that he's changing his story now. Yeah. Yeah. And police were able to determine this to be a lie. Because what was happening is they were pulling surveillance footage from the time from these businesses. And so they can see whether or not he's driving into these places and dropping her off. And so that's where his problem is occurring. Is he's saying, oh, I ended our date, dropped her off. Somebody else must have gotten her. But here we have no tape of you doing that. But yep. we, it's like empty tape, basically. Yeah, exactly. So they know that he's lying about this. Police believe that Kohler picked up Kristen from the park, like he said. They think he then took her out to Perfumo Canyon, where the pair got out of his vehicle and walked along the roadside. During their encounter, Kohler allegedly pulled a knife on Kristen and sliced through her throat. It's unclear what his motive for attacking her might be, though. Please do think the crime was premeditated, though. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. While investigating Kohler, police found multiple photos of nude women on his phone that they later connected to sex workers hired by him. I do believe some of these women were also just people he matched with on Tinder that he matched with for hookup purposes. Among these photos, they found four pictures of Kristen. The other women that Kohler had hired told authorities that he didn't harm them. And later on, his defense used that in a hearing to argue that he was innocent because they were like, look, he's met with all these other ladies. He hasn't killed any of them. So he's a stand-up guy. Thumbs up. Right. However, it's important to note that most of these women told police that they had met with Kohler in that Perfumo Canyon area. They either had been taken there or had met him there. So this is exactly where Kristen met her final client, or where she went with him, rather. And also where authorities found her body, like 40 to 50 feet away from the road. So it would be weird if he dropped her off somewhere and then the killer brought her back to where he always took his ladies. Mm -hmm. That's very suspicious. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would have made more sense if he would have not left her right there next to his spot. Exactly. I mean, just it's just what ended up happening. And because Kohler admitted to driving that red Chevy Blazer that I told you about, the authorities did find and search the vehicle for clues. Now, crime scene techs found a spot of blood in the red Chevy Blazer. However, they later determined that this blood hit on four different profiles, and so it was deemed unusable. Hmm. It's important to note, though, that the red Chevy Blazer did not belong to Kohler at the time of the examination, and that's because he had sold this vehicle shortly after Kristen disappeared. Which is also not at all suspicious. I know. So basically, he goes on this date with her. He comes home. She does not. He immediately drops his his texting account, deletes his email that he used for the texting account, sells his car, changes his phone number, and has to buy all new business cards. Mm-hmm. This guy is really doing a lot of suspicious things here. Yeah, exactly. This is a lot of coincidences. Yeah, it's a lot of red flags going There's so on. So many coincidences are happening, Aaron. Yeah, exactly. So many coincidences are happening. <laughs> so that is what's going on. And it's his special spot, too. Prosecutors charged Kohler with murder, with premeditation and deliberation, as well as using a deadly weapon. They also charged him with already having a violent conviction for carjacking, a crime which he committed in 2005. Now, from my understanding of the charging documents, this is sort of like an enhancement charge as a prior strike. So they're saying he already has one strike, so these would be additional strikes. Right, they're saying he's already got this other issue, so this makes it even worse. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
If he is convicted of the murder charge, Kohler faces a sentence of life in prison, and he could get an extra five years for the enhancement charges. He has, however, pleaded not guilty. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm telling you that he still faces this stuff, and that's because his trial has not actually happened. And we're going to talk briefly about why and what has happened. There has been a hearing because his public defender, Trace Milan, argued that the charges should be dropped for lack of evidence. There was a preliminary hearing in October 2018 where he made that argument. And at these preliminary hearings, defense argued that Kristen may have died from a drug overdose and her friends may have hidden her body. Now, this seems like their best route because we do know she had drugs in her system. But if you recall, the medical examiner found that she had a slit throat, which doesn't make sense if you have someone who died from a drug overdose and you're just hiding the body. Exactly. And then also, the police were able to confirm somehow that all of her friends were just completely incapacitated to have done any of this stuff, according to them. Like, that was what they actually said at the hearing, is that they were all too intoxicated to have done anything. Yeah. Like, the, this kind of level of thinking. Right. Or to even just, like, drive a car or participate in anything. Yeah. So, that is their counter-argument. The prosecution admitted into evidence something that seems weird at first, but will make sense after I explain what it is to you. They admitted into evidence in this hearing to prove that there's, like, enough evidence to charge him. 485 letters that were allegedly written by Kohler between 2005 and 2010 while he was in jail for his carjacking crime. In these letters, he talked about plans to get away with other crimes. Wow. Yeah, and there's certain lines you can read that were from the letters, but they say things like carrying a change of clothes and stuff like that, like his official plan for how he could commit a crime and get away with it. And part of the reason why prosecutors use these letters is that they thought that parts of them discussed crimes similar to Kristen's murder. Because in some of the letters, he referenced cutting someone's throat with a box cutter and also holding a knife to someone's throat. But... The most concerning thing in the prosecution's mind is that in one letter, he wrote how much he hated women who charged money for sexual services. Oh, no. Yeah. And yes, he was hiring women frequently and doesn't seem to have harmed anyone else. But it is very suspicious that he wrote that in the letter. Yep. Because that's a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you a motive. And also, if you don't like something that someone is doing, just don't engage in that. It's weird to me that you would say that you don't like that women are doing this, but then you're the one who's hiring them. Yep. Then let other people hire them. You don't have to do it. I don't understand the concept of, I don't like this, so I'm going to be mad about it. When in this kind of situation where you have consenting people, if you don't like it, you just don't participate in that thing. Yep. That's Leave exactly other right. people alone. They're doing their own business. Let, like, this lady just needs to work. She doesn't need your attitude. Yep. And so... He has written this in the letter. Now, his lawyer tried to argue against this and claimed that some of the passages could be attributed to music lyrics. And it does appear that some of these music lyrics may have been lyrics that he himself was writing. Because they also pointed out that he had written poems that seemed very innocent compared to the other stuff. Hmm. And somehow this is supposed to mean that he's not having these dark thoughts. That was his lawyer's argument. Additionally, as I said before, his lawyer pointed out that he had not harmed any other sex workers that he'd hired in the past. So maybe he doesn't actually hate them. But I don't, I don't, yeah. 
I don't buy it. The judge also did not buy this because in the end, the judge ruled that there was enough probable cause for Kohler to go to trial. Although I feel like that was always going to happen because they have, I mean, they have evidence. I mean, it's not saying he's guilty. It's just saying that he should go before a jury. So Kohler's trial was scheduled, but there was another hitch because in January 2019th, Kohler himself filed a motion requesting a new public defender. He claimed that his lawyer, Trace Milan, failed to submit a letter to preserve a toxicology sample, which resulted in the sample being destroyed. In this request, the other public defenders basically were like, we're too busy, we don't have time for this. And the actual public defender in question, Trace Milan, pointed out all the ways that he had helped. There seems to be a lot of support for him in this, which makes sense because he did that whole hearing, like, he really tried. Like, there's a whole, there's like a bunch of articles just about this hearing And he really went to town trying super hard to get this guy having his charges dismissed. So I'm not really sure what he's complaining about. But that is what he wanted. At this time, Kohler remains in jail as he's awaiting trial because his trial was eventually scheduled for 2020. And as we all know, (laughs) there was a pandemic. That's right. And so because of the timeline of his case, his trial was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In April 2020, he sued in federal court to get released on bond, saying that it violated his due process rights to have his trial postponed. In his suit, he also claimed that his arrest wasn't legal, and the prosecution did not have a solid case against him, and that his defense counsel was not effective. However, the judge in this federal suit ruled against him because they said the federal court did not have jurisdiction over the case as he had not been convicted of a crime. And according to the decision a state case must be decided before the federal courts can provide any kind of relief if the relief is appropriate. Part of me doesn't really think that some of these people should be allowed to sit in jail for so long because some people end up in jail for years and years and years before their trial. We had another case that was dragging on like this. The one where the guy and his cousin allegedly murdered the guy's pregnant girlfriend who was pregnant by the other guy. And they also, it's the Halloween case. Yeah. And they also killed the other guy as well. Or allegedly. One of them confessed, but the other one didn't. So, allegedly. But that one that did not confess is still awaiting trial last we checked. And that probably shouldn't go on for that long. Because, I mean, we're talking years here. But at the same time... Here in Houston, we have been having a lot of crimes committed because everyone's just getting out on bond and then continuing to murder everybody. Yeah, it's a tricky situation. It's a really tricky situation because you don't want people in jail without due process because that is obviously an injustice and it disproportionately affects people of color. But at the same time, you don't want people who are flight risk and a dangerous society. I think his issue here is that he tried to run. Yep. If he hadn't tried to run, it might have been different. Because when he was arrested, he was arrested on a no-bond warrant. So he did not get a bond. Yep. But it's because he ran. And he made it all the way to, like, what is it, Minnesota? He was on the way to... Actually, I think he was on the way to Minnesota, and he got stopped in Wisconsin. Yeah. But still, I mean, like, when you try to flee like that, I mean, of course they're not going to give you bond, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait, I think he did get stopped in Minnesota. Because he was stopped outside... The place where he was stopped, Rogers, is outside Minneapolis. So, but yeah, he was like fleeing. So it makes sense that they wouldn't let him out on bond. Now, he's not just completely walling away his time in prison because Robert Kohler is occupying his time by running a meet an inmate account. For real? He has a meet an inmate account. It's got his photos on there. He is looking for female friends to write letters with. 
And it's only females. Because he says that he wants, he's looking for friends to exchange letters with and have good conversations. But only women are allowed to write him. Of course. And I was like, if you're only looking for friends, then wouldn't you want letters from everybody? You would think so. I'm just saying. So he's looking for lady friends. And he describes himself as a thrill seeker, an entrepreneur, and a romantic. Yeah. Barf. Yeah, he, he does not mention anything about being accused of murder. <laughs> he also does not mention anything about cheating on his, his pregnant wife. None of that's in there. I checked. I read that <laughs> thing. I was like, really? This is wild. And I was trying to, I was hoping that would help me figure out what happened with his trial, but it clearly states that he's still awaiting trial. But I also looked up court documents and it was like his case was postponed and stuff. But I just thought that was wild. I've never seen any of the people we've done come up on any of these talk to an inmate sites. He's on at least two because I did later find another one. But meetaninmate.com seems to be a big one. Maybe he'll get matched up on that show that they have on Discovery+. Plus. What is yeah, it called? Love After Lockup? Or no, the... no, no. The other one, the new oh, one. Oh, uh, Prisoner of Love. Yes, yeah, the Prisoner yeah, of yeah. Love show. Maybe yeah. he'll end up on there and we can watch that. Oh, Jesus. Um, that would be such a hot mess. We would watch it, though. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. We would, yeah. We would 100% watch that. We watched the first one. We'll definitely be watching that next season of that show. Um, this is the kind of stuff that we watch <laughs> when Nine Day Fiance is not on. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you would like to write him for some reason, you can. That's easy to find on the internet. At this time, his crimes connected to Kristen's case are all alleged. And it's unclear how long it'll take to go to trial. I thought about waiting, but then I thought, I'm just going to do it. I found this case on accident. If you notice, her name, her last name is Marty. And when I was doing that other case, the Marty Hill case, it came up. And so I thought, hey, this looks really interesting. I'm going to save that for later. And later is now. There you go. And I thought, I'll just go ahead and do this. I thought it was interesting. And also, I feel like her story should be told. I don't... I don't like that people feel like just because she has a dependency or something that it's just okay to do stuff to her. That's wrong. Yeah. And it's just not cool at all that people do stuff like this. And I think we should talk about these cases more because when we put eyes on them, I feel like it helps people. Absolutely, it does. We are going to keep you updated on this case. I put out a Google alert for his name. So if he does go to trial soon, hopefully we'll get we'll get some updates for you. Also... I think this case has been a little faster, but that's because there are helicopters outside of our house because there's some kind of department of, is it Homeland Security? I think it's Homeland Security. There's some kind of agency that's doing test drills in Houston to, I guess, prove that they can effectively helicopter into stuff and bang, bang, bang at everybody. We live like really close to, to downtown and they're just like, every few minutes it's like, helicopter 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 and then we have to be quiet and wait for it to be over with and because it's showing up on the recording i can see it and i don't think you want to listen to helicopter 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 in the background as we do this exactly so and i need to go on reddit and see all the people who didn't know about it freaking out because they do this out here all the time it feels like and people are all like oh my god what is happening yeah the first time i encountered it really freaked me out because I, yeah. I was driving to like the store in, in like a residential neighborhood you know like on just like a little like yeah a just a few roads street. from our house and we live in a neighborhood inside we're like really close to downtown we live in montrose which is an which is a neighborhood they know where we live don't murder <laughs> us please don't murder us yes please don't murder us but like i mean we're going down i'm going down this road and like there's the road is literally blocked off by dudes that 
are in like fatigues. They got the hats. They got like assault rifles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the the whole ass military is in yes. the street, like like in front of this house. And I'm looking at this dude like, do I need to turn around? Like, should I not be here? Mm-hmm. And he like weighs me on. He's like, no, no, you can, you can come through. And then he he calls to me like, because like I rolled my window down. And he's like, yeah, we're just doing some training. And I'm like, what the fuck are you training for? Yes. Like, I mean, I didn't say that to him, obviously, but like that was yeah, I was freaked out. It's <laughs> crazy. They are wild out here. Yeah. That's one of the problems of living in Texas is that Texas is like, yeah, let's do this. And yeah. then we're all out here not, not knowing when the helicopters are crimes. Because just yesterday, their helicopters were crimes. And I thought it was the training <laughs> helicopters. And it was somebody who went on a whole chase. And there was a shootout and all kinds of nonsense. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to know when this is crimes? Like, I need to know when I'm supposed <laughs> to stay in the house. Like, this is crazy. I feel like I'm representing Houston badly. I feel like Houston's still a really great city. Yeah. But we do have kind of a, a weird situation with... With the the situation. Yeah. Houston's a great place, but there's some weird shit here sometimes. There's some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's it's strange. It's the same thing as I was talking about with the parade situation. When they go out, anytime there's a parade or any kind of, of community gathering, all the police that are there are all suited up in like their whole SWAT gear with the rifles and the assault rifles and everything. And I like, I can't figure out if I feel safer or less safe when I'm out there doing stuff. It's, I don't really know which it is. Anyway, so uh, sorry if you hear a helicopter. I'm going to try to wrap this up. If you would like more Bad Axe, you can follow us on Patreon. There is membership starting at $1. And I $1. I'm having all kinds of problems today. <laughs> I don't know. It's the helicopters. They've mixed my brains up. You can join us there. There's a bunch of episodes you can listen to if you'd like to do that. Also, you can follow us on social media. I have not been posting, but I will be posting again soon. It's happening. I'm getting my life back together from my mom passing away and all other stuff that have been going on in my life. I recently started a new medication and it's really helping. So I'm feeling better because of the medication. So I'm hoping that'll help me get all my stuff back together. You can also email us at badaxpod at gmail.com. Just go there. You email us, whatever it is you need to say suggestions or feedback or comments or mean things or pictures of helicopters <laughs> don't send that don't send that to us also if you'd like to leave a review please do we would love some five star reviews so if you would like to do that do that aaron do you want to tell them about the website yeah our website's badxpod.com it's a great website go check it out yeah totally go and look at the website Thank you for listening. We will see you very soon with more true crime. Bye-bye. Bye.